Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. It is a beautiful day, and I'll say again, it's a beautiful time to remind everybody that this is a chance to reset, recalibrate, but also to remember that the issues of 2020 have not ended. We need to remain safe. We need to remain smart. But through all of it, we can come into a new year with positivity and hope that uh, unity and the best is right around the corner. It's Keyshawn, J. Willie, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. And you can just ask your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. It's super easy. I'm Jason Fitz and uh, Mark Herzlick. We're hanging in for the guys today. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And, uh, you know, we're having an opportunity to talk a lot of college football. We'll get back to that in a few minutes uh, with Jesse Palmer. Uh, We're going to get his thoughts on today's action. But there's a bunch of NFL action going on. So uh, we want to head straight to the Goodyear hotline where we're joined by ESPN NFL insider Field Yates. Field, thanks so much for the time. Let's start with the most important question. Field and I had the opportunity to do a Monday Night Football digital show together Mm. over the course of the season. Uh, Greatest single moment of your career getting to work with me on Monday nights? Yeah, and specifically the (laughs) moment when you and I were interviewing John Wall, and John (laughs) Wall was playing spades during our interview. Now, for those that are wondering whether it was something that bothered you or I, we didn't have return on this interview, which is a TV term for... We couldn't see John Wall. The camera could see John Wall. We just couldn't. So meanwhile, the internet's roasting us like, who are these morons who aren't telling John Wall? Like, dude, you're live on camera. Meanwhile, we had no idea. But that's okay. Yeah. It was funny. It was a good viral moment. One of uh, one of our peers that works for another uh, network may have called out uh, my manhood for not ever standing up to John Wall without understanding that we had no idea what John Wall was doing. Turns out he was playing spades. All right, so Field, we should probably ask you about actual football action. Why? Uh, well, because it's a big weekend, apparently, <laughs> according to some. So uh, we were just talking about the Steelers and the Browns and what to expect this weekend. Is there some sort of, knowing that it's a COVID-19 world and everything that's gone on, yeah. if the Browns go out and just mm, the bed and uh, find themselves not in the playoffs, is there some sort of uh, residual impact within Cleveland, within the organization to Baker? No, there. W- well, I don't know about to Baker specifically. Um, the Browns have a big decision to make regardless of whether they make the playoffs, win a playoff game, don't win a playoff game, don't make the playoffs on Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was obviously the first overall pick in 2018. This upcoming year is the first year in which first-round picks – if they have their fifth-year option picked up, which for Baker, it would be for the 2022 season, but you have to make the decision this upcoming offseason, it's fully guaranteed. So if you're picking it up, it's $25-plus million being guaranteed to Baker. Now, in the grand scheme, $25 million for a quarterback contract is not much. The problem is for one year on a guy you're not entirely sure of, it is a lot of money. Um, But the Browns... I've been having this conversation with people throughout the week. If for some reason we decided to rewind to April 1st of 2020, which nobody would want to do, then we would sit there and say, hey, if I told you sight unseen the Browns had 10 wins going into week 17 with a chance to make the playoffs, would you take that? And the answer would be yes. The problem is this year has the chance to become a disappointment, not a failure, but a disappointment. If the Browns don't win this week, after losing to the 1-13 Jets last week, then it's going to sting tremendously. That being said, I do think the Browns have a good chance to win this Sunday against Mason Rudolph, even with all the COVID issues that they're currently dealing with. Yeah, and Field, yeah, yeah I, we get to, uh, I get to plug myself too. I mean, you don't just have fun with, with Fitz, you get fun with me too. Four hours go, a week, baby. We go four hours a week on Sundays, and you know, you, we've talked a lot about the NFC East, right? And, and it's really come down to this weekend. 
it you know every team really is still in it and who comes away with the win obviously if washington wins their game they're in if they lose though it's going to be come down to the giants first the Cowboys, whoever wins that game. Who do you see getting in from that NFC East? See, that was nifty radio right there from Hertz because uh, he is a longtime Giants player. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl champion, by the mm-hmm. way, also has Philadelphia roots where you know grew up in the area. So you didn't mention that the Eagles technically have no shot to win the division on Sunday. And when I say technically, I don't even mean technically like they have no shot. Um, yeah. But they're still playing for pride here. Yeah. So I think I'll give the edge to Washington for this reason. It's the simplest path. And if you were to give me the opportunity to select the offense or defense for any of the three teams that still have a chance, to me, the best of those six units is the Washington defense, right? It's better than their offense. It's better than the Giants offense, Giants defense, Cowboys defense, and maybe the Cowboys offense with the way that they have played recently. I'll give it to Washington. I feel like there's not necessarily a destiny involved here for Washington, But this is a team that has been through so much this year. Not just their head coach, Ron Rivera, who's dealt with a very personal struggle with his battle with cancer, but obviously the organization has been through a lot of tumult, much of it self-inflicted by poor ownership and leadership. They've dealt with Dwayne Haskins' fiasco over the past 10 to 14 days. Seems been through a lot. I feel like there's a certain resolve that they will show on Sunday that in their last best chance to win this division, I think they do find a way to get the job done. He's Field Yates, ESPN NFL Insider, joining us on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on the Goodyear Hotline. Mark Hertzlick, I'm Jason Fitz. We're in for the guys. So I'm going to ask you two questions Great. about the same team. We'll start, and this is you know in honor of Sarah Spain, again, Spain and Fitz, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We'll start with the Chicago Bears. If the Bears beat the Packers, they will make the playoffs. Yes, they will. What they, what do they do with their quarterback position if they are now a quarterback or, or playoff team with Mitchell Trubisky? So, what's the old expression, like, the enemy of good is perfect? Is that, is that Am I saying that one correctly? And the enemy of perfect is good, maybe? Right. So Would make sense. Both yeah. works both ways, yeah, yeah. right? So, I think there's a little bit of a trap here the Bears could fall into. Is that they've won, or they have scored 30-plus points in four straight games. They've won three of those four games. But let's, so, they lost to the Lions. Lions, who are an, an abomination right now. They are just terrible, obviously. They have beat the Jaguars. They have beat four, or they've won three games in their last four. Those three opponents, none of them strike much fear into the rest. I believe the Vikings are one of them and one other inferior foe, right? It has not been a stretch of games that you would expect them to lose. If they win against the Packers on Sunday, it might help change the narrative a little bit, assuming the Packers play all of their players, which head coach Matt LaFleur has indicated is the case. You now have a four-year sample size of what Mitch Trubisky is, or maybe more precisely, is not. And he's going to be a free agent this offseason, and he might make a decent amount of money. And one of the tricks for NFL general managers to have to navigate is that there really isn't a middle-tier quarterback contract. You don't see a bunch of starters who are average making like 12 to $14 million per year. Like if I were to make the case, I would think Teddy Bridgewater is like sort of an average NFL quarterback. He gets $21 million a year, right? You decide in a year when the salary cap could be worth, could be at $175 million next year if you believe that Mitch Trubisky is worth somewhere between $20 and $22 million a year. I think the answer is probably no. So I think that the Bears have to sort of resist temptation 
to stick with what they have because it worked a little bit down the stretch and have to be maybe more, do you want a guy who can help raise your floor or do you care about raising the ceiling? And I think a player that is not Mitch Trubisky has a chance to help raise their ceiling going forward. So I'll ask you a quick second Chicago question. Okay. Understanding that, uh, let me be very clear, that mm-hmm. I believe Khalil Mack is a generational player. My, my Everybody always presumes when I talk about him that yeah. there's a bias because of you know my love of the Raiders. That being said, he's, his cap number for each of the next four years is in the range of $26 million. That's Mark Hertzlick money, yeah. And there is not an easy out out of that. They have no cap space, and they're paying a defensive end $26 million. Do they regret that? Um, No. I, I don't think they regret it. I think that uh, what they regret is because – so the model was actually sound at the time. The Bears were trying to take advantage of – they had the leverage – of a quarterback on a rookie deal when they acquired Khalil Mack. Uh, John Elway's talked about this in the past. Uh, obviously, Broncos football operations are about how it's really hard to have sort of two quarterback contracts on your roster, right? And I, but I believe the Raiders felt this way as well when they decided to trade Khalil Mack. They already had Derek Carr signed up long-term. Like, can you have a second quarterback contract, which is, in essence, what Khalil Mack got, six years and $141 million on the books at the time? Um, I don't think they regret it. They did have, obviously, an incredible first season with Khalil Mack. I think the regret is that, that Mitch Trubisky didn't pan out like they had hoped when they not only took him second overall, but, of course, they traded up for him all the way back in 2017. But wouldn't they still be up a creek? I mean, because how would they? if they wanted Mitchell Trubisky or they want any quarterback, they have no cap space and they have $26 million assigned to somebody else. Like, they are proof that you can, not necessarily proof, but they are living what you're talking about. Well, but if the quarterback had panned out, you just figure everything else out, no, right? Like, that's you fair. know, the Chiefs have I mean, they've done an outstanding job with cap management. If at some point they're going to have to make difficult decisions because of Patrick Mahomes' massive contract, it's like, okay, whatever. No, like, I'm that's not fair. trying to say those guys aren't humans and worth, you know, a great amount, but it's like if you have to move on from a player because you've got Patrick Mahomes, like, that's the cost of doing business. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. And my my question is about another you know another quarterback. And the Dolphins have really had the the pleasure or whatever you want to call it the luxury of having Fitzpatrick to be able to be the finisher and come in for Tua. He is now out, and the Dolphins are looking to make the playoffs. Uh, is this? I mean, how much pressure do you think is on Tua right now? Do you think he can handle it? Do you think Miami is going to be able to win this one where they don't have to rely on other people losing uh, in order to get into the playoffs? There, think about this. There are 31 other NFL teams that if the backup quarterback tested positive for COVID-19, <laughs> it's a footnote, right. right? Like, hey, if we found out that – I'm just I, – I don't, I, don't, I, I don't even want to say this because I don't want to – like, you know, it's unfair to like even mention a player right. by name testing positive, but it's like – if someone else's backup quarterback tested positive, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, you obviously wish them the best. You hope they get well. But, like, that, it's the reality of the COVID-19, 2020, now 2021 NFL season. The fact, just the fact that their quarterback testing positive is a story, that alone in and of itself is sort of interesting, right? Um, but, so I am a big believer in process over results. And, and certainly it doesn't mean the process is always going to lead the, to the best results. But you have to love, you know, if you, if typically if you are focused on the process and not the results, you're going to end up with what you desire. There have been times this year where Brian Flores' process has sort of run counter to what most people would consider conventional. 
And yet his results keep working, right? So he benches <laughs> Tua, uh, or benches Fitz, excuse me, after I think it was a 3-2 and two start. And you're like, wait, really? And what did they do? The first three games of Tua, they won. And here they are. And I think Brian Flores is coach of the year. He's been unbelievable. One of my favorite head coaches in football. He is just an incredible leader. Yeah. There are times, and so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, you know what? I don't know what buttons he's going to press, but he's probably going to make the right decision because that's what he has shown this year is that his grip on this team and his understanding, the pulse of this locker room is basically unmatched. No surprise from a guy that went to Boston College, played linebacker, right, Mike Her- of Mark Herslick? But, uh, of course. you know, I just think it is worth noting that while on the surface it seems like a big deal and that there's a lot of pressure on Tua. I'm also like, I think it's the right person sort of guiding the way there in Miami to sort through this this journey, which uh, we're now 48 hours away, or I guess a little over 48 hours away from Sunday afternoon kickoff with so much left to be determined in the NFL. We're talking. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to recap just too how Miami gets in, right? If Miami wins, they're in. Yep. Or if Baltimore loses, or if Cleveland loses, or if Indianapolis loses, right? So, and then there's tie situations too. But th- you know, if Miami wins, they are in. They're in, yeah, and it would be. A, I mean, if they win, eleven and five, again, a team that there was a time last year. So you think about the, the Dolphins did win five games last season. All right, they won five games. Their point differential last year was still negative two hundred. Hmm. The Jaguars have at best a two and fourteen record this year, more likely a one and fifteen record. So they're like an historically bad team. Their point differential this year, minus 188. So if they finish, like, they're probably going to end up finishing with, like, a minus 204 point differential. That tells you how bad the Dolphins were in the first half of last year. That they won five of their final last nine games, and they still had a 200-point differential. And here they are, a year later, about to be potentially 11-5, and five, with a quarterback situation that has, has, has some, had some bumps in the road. Like Brian Flores, man, that dude's got something about him that's just special. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how the Dolphins got here. I, I don't remember what happened last yeah. Saturday. It's totally blind to me. All right, uh, <laughs> Phil, we appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks as always for hanging out with us. Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year to both of you guys. I want to leave you with a question. Um, so, Happy New Year flies today. I think it flies tomorrow. At what point do I stop wishing people Happy New Year for 2021? I think you got to worry. February. February. <laughs> I like, Valentine's Listen, Day. Mark Herslick also leaves his Christmas decorations out until like Labor Day. Yeah, so take true. it, you know, which I respect, by the way. Mark, Mark and I are only becoming more and more besties. You're only uniting us more. Right? I mean, I'm, yeah. yeah I, I'd say you got a week. You got a week of it. But, okay. it, it, you know, your field, as long as you smile, I'm you can cheery. say anything whenever you want. That is true. Feel, yeah. we appreciate you, your time. Thanks for hanging out, brother. Happy New Year, guys. All right. So uh, that's a little bit of the scope of, what's go- scope of what's going on in the NFL. Don't forget, beginning Tuesday, January 5th, Mike Greenberg begins his show, Greeny, immediately following Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio. Greeny will take you inside the stories of the day as only he can have the news you'd expect and interact with you every single day from Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right into Greeny weekday mornings on ESPN Radio. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Mark Hertzlick, Jason Fitz, we're in for the guys, presented by Progressive Insurance. And all of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Speaking of which, let's head right over there now to get some more expertise on ESPN, on college football from ESPN College Football Analyst uh, Jesse Palmer. Jesse, thanks for the time this morning, man. We appreciate you joining us. We've been talking a lot about the playoff games and what to expect. So uh, when you look specifically at Clemson, Ohio State, does Clemson essentially have to lose this game or can Ohio State beat them if they both have their best day? 
No, I, I think Ohio State certainly is talented enough to win this game. And I know one thing Ryan Day has been very outspoken about a lot this week is that he doesn't feel his team has played their best um, on both sides of the ball or in all three phases uh, yet this year. And I, but I do think in order to beat Clemson, they're definitely going to have to do that. And I think the biggest thing I'm looking to see in this game is Justin Fields against Clemson's blitz package. I think the, the biggest area that Ohio State offensively has struggled this year is against the Blitz. And I think you saw that against Indiana, and you saw that at times against Northwestern as well. And whether it's receivers not looking hot or O-linemen, tight ends, and running backs not being on the same page and knowing necessarily who to block. And sometimes Justin Fields not seeing the Blitz, not throwing hot, and trying to, to make defenders miss all by himself. It's gotten them in a lot of trouble. And, of course, you guys know when you're playing against Clemson, it's their defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, is going to be an absolute blitzathon, and he's bringing it from all over the field. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of pressure on Justin Fields in this game. One, uh, to beat the blitz and to win the game. But two, a lot of pressure on Justin Fields to prove he's still the second quarterback taken in next year's NFL draft if, in fact, he decides to come out. I know a lot of people have been talking now about Zach Wilson moving ahead of him based on Justin Fields' struggles this year. So, yes, it's going to be a quarterback duel with Lawrence and Fields, but I think Fields certainly has the most pressure. And, Jesse, you, you, you talk about the blitzing, and, and Venerables is known for that, just sending pressure the whole time. And the one loss that Clemson had this year, it was really Kyron Williams, the running back for Notre Dame, who stepped up and made some huge blocks to keep Ian Book clean. You have, uh, two questions for you right now. You, how important is that? Is, are the running backs for Ohio State – picking up the blitz package first, and then also with thumb injury, right? A thumb injury to Justin Field in the fourth quarter of that Big Ten championship game. How much do you think that's going to affect him on the field? You know, he says, I'll be ready to go, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, that's your throwing hand. It's really hard to, to overcome that. Yeah, great questions, Mark. I think first off, with respect to running backs and blitz pickup, I think it's absolutely imperative uh, it's a really, really hard job, you know, for running backs and a lot of these offensive schemes to have to find the blitz. And one thing I think Kyron Williams does a great job of doing is scanning. It's not just, okay, on this play, I've got the Sam linebacker and that's the only guy I'm focused on. You see Kyron Williams oftentimes scan all the way across the field, whether it's picking up linebackers and picking up DBs. And oftentimes he also makes up for lineman mistakes. Yeah. There have been times this year where a lineman gets out of position a D lineman ends up coming through a gap and Kyron Williams has to get off his assignment and maybe chip a 320 pound guy to give Ian book an opportunity to throw the football. I haven't seen a running back pass pro better than Kyron Williams uh, this year. Um, so it, obviously for Ohio state's running backs, it's going to be massive that they're able to scan because like you said, Venables isn't going to just bring linebackers. He's going to bring safeties and corners and guys from the second level, you know, with the second question with fields and thumb injury, Obviously, it's going to have an impact if it's your throwing hand. We know that. But you've know, you got to remember, he injured it in the fourth quarter of the Big Ten title game. He was playing awful before that. First, first, second, and third quarter, he was having issues with his accuracy. He was having issues, I think, anticipating throws. So, uh, you know, for a quarterback, no doubt. Gripping the football, uh, throwing with velocity, how it affects accuracy, I think all of the above for sure. Um, but I, I really just feel listening to Justin Fields this week as a competitor, he's so fired up. He understands the challenge ahead of him, and he's he said he's never prepared for a game more so than he has this particular game. So I cannot wait to see uh, how Justin Fields performs tonight. 
We're talking to Jesse Palmer, ESPN College Football Analyst. You can also check him out as part of the Megacast broadcast today uh, for the College Football Playoff semifinal game. So, Jesse, let's switch over to the other game. And uh, not not many of us have been given Notre Dame much of a chance against Alabama, but part of that is because of the way Notre Dame just looked against Clemson. It's the same Notre Dame team that earlier this year beat Clemson. We sort of forget that. And when you look at Notre Dame's defense, how can they manage to take away any one of the three options for offense that were so explosive for Alabama? Yeah, I think they've got to cut off two heads of the three-headed monster. I, I think they need to try to slow down Najee Harris in the running game, and they got to find a way to try to get to Mac Jones. I think the good news for Notre Dame is they have an outstanding defensive line. They're very deep. They're very athletic. There's a lot of NFL talent up there. Um, I think this is the best D-line that Alabama has seen this year. So, you know, we talk a lot about Alabama's O-line being, uh, being the best in college football. They're down and All-American at center in this game. So how's that going to manifest itself? Uh, Notre Dame has got to dominate up front, I think, to have any shot at winning this game tonight. Remember, we've seen this D-line takeover games against really explosive offenses. Back when they played UNC, they held the Tar Heels to just 87 rushing yards, and I think they had five or six sacks in that game against Sam Howell. So this D-line is capable of doing it. Uh, they're going to have to do it on a consistent level tonight, though, because you're right. It's amazing to, to think. Alabama's a better offense this year than they were last season when they had four picks in the top 15 of the NFL draft. Like, how does that happen? They're just playing at such a high level. Sark's been doing a phenomenal job calling plays. So it's a massive, massive challenge tonight, I think, for this D-line of Notre Dame. Again, you can watch them on the Megacast today. And uh, as always, check them out throughout ESPN's college football coverage. Jesse, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Guys, it's not too late. Happy New Year to you both. <laughs> happy New Year, my friend. Happy we New Year. Yeah, see, look at that. We're going to spread brother. some Happy New Year love. That's what we're going to do. Uh, the, the, this is, it's going to be interesting, and uh, now I'm suddenly nervous. You know, I was so confident that Alabama was just going to roll Notre Dame. Jesse makes good points, and now suddenly I'm rethinking everything. I, I, I don't know. This is why I get nervous. College football playoffs on ESPN and ESPN Radio. Coverage begins on ESPN Radio at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. You can check out the Rose Bowl presented by Capital One. That's Alabama versus Notre Dame. And the All-State Sugar Bowl, that's number two, Clemson, versus number three, Ohio State. So uh, that's the way you can check all that out and uh, and keep up with it. And obviously, you can watch the digital show on the ESPN app at 3 o'clock this afternoon that uh, little old me is hosted. All right, coming up, there was one game yesterday that had a result after the final clock hit zeros that could rock college football even into next season. We'll tell you about it next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, Mark Herzlich, Jason Fitz, in for the guys. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. 
See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. Happy New Year to everybody. And we're going to say it like, I, I like your plan. Maybe we give it till like Valentine's Day. So like, I, I'm not sure that you and I are going to text each other. Happy Valentine's Day, although I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I think, you know, realistically, Mark, at least we'll we'll continue Happy New Year going throughout yeah, the year. Well, yeah, we'll see how the rest of the show goes. You yeah, know what I mean? Well, We've got 20 more minutes. So you never know what can happen. That is, that is fair. Uh, <laughs> both ways, either a love connection or the opposite. Uh, okay, so we had the opposite of a love connection yesterday at the end of the Armed Forces Bowl. You were on that call on the ESPN, you saw it go down live. And for anyone that hasn't seen it, I would uh, implore you to go out and find it. Google it and look on social media. Find it. it. We say brawl sometimes, and brawl people think is you know some pushing, some shoving, some yelling. This was not that. Uh, this was but this was an extreme version of anything like that that you've ever seen. You're talking about real punches, as you said in the call in the moment. You're talking about kicks on cleats. You're talking about a level of fight I don't know that I've seen after a game. And you know, Mark, it, it, it's disgusting. It's awful, and there's no way that the college football world can let it happen. There should be suspensions levied from this. There should be fines to the schools that are involved in this. I mean, there is no punishment in my mind that is too grandiose for what happened. No, I mean, and I agree too. I mean, it is, it, this was uh, an abomination. I mean, it was disgraceful. It, it was, it was taking a, what turned out to be a very good and fun to watch college football season. And you capped this 2020 year off with just disgust and outrage. And, and you talk about penalties, right? There has to be repercussions. There has to be repercussions for the players, for the coaches, I mean, you talk about trying to keep your job as a head coach and having that happen. Like, how much control do you have of your team? And, you know, some of you, you might think, like, hey, you, know, you can't take someone's job away because of that. Well, if that happened in real life, you could take their freedom away because of that. I mean, you are fighting. I mean, this is assault. So you know, there's a I, – I wouldn't be surprised. There's a real, very real possibility that criminal charges could be filed against some of these players – because this went beyond a scuffle on the field. I mean, there are players having trouble breathing with concussions because of this fight. It's a danger. It's a danger to the players. It's a danger to college football in this situation. And there is no place for it in sports, and especially not college sports. Well, and we'll get to in a second, Mike Leach. Before we get there, I think it's important to also note Malik Heath, who was the one that many have seen in the video, at least one of the people in the video that was uh, kicking. And you see a very intentional kick, and that was uh, that was tweeted out, obviously, by several people. And Heath responded on his Instagram, I believe it was, by chanting MVP, MVP, while watching the video of the incident with teammates and then saying, quote, yo, come here, blank, get your little blank down, go back, watch how I slam him there, watch how I slam him there, come here, go back, watch how I slam him, y'all, I go hard, watch this, watch this, watch this, Malik, boom, get your blank, blank down. That is the mindset of somebody that just did something on the field that would get him criminally charged anywhere off the field. That's the mindset that's been created by Mike Leach. And if you don't believe it's been created by Mike Leach, listen to what he said to Ian Fitzsimmons after the game when he was asked about the brawl. This is a football game, so we're not going to be tearing cloth over this deal. I mean, you know, somebody went to a football game and somebody got hit. I mean, you know, there's a point where I'm not going to lose my mind over it, but I, I just don't like that. You know, we were undisciplined in some situations where I thought we 
if you uh, control yourself mentally, emotionally, you put yourself in a better position. I, I'm stunned to hear what he said, Mark, because this is the leader of young men. I mean, this is somebody that sits on couches and says, hey, I'm going to make sure that your young your son is, is comes to the program and has the opportunity to grow into the young man that you hope. This is somebody that's in charge of a program, and this is somebody that when he wears the Mississippi State logo on his chest is taking a responsibility to represent that university. That's what they're paying him $5 million for, not just to win games, but also to be a representative, to be at some level a teacher. That's why he works for a school. So for a teacher to mishandle this moment, I mean, the video shows him across from his players taking pictures with fans and then not even trying to do anything about it. And when he's asked about it after the game, he's at best flippant for it. It's disgusting to see somebody that is in a position of leadership not lead in this moment. If we would hold players to a higher standard, then we need to hold coaches to a higher standard. And if he can't live to that standard, he shouldn't be allowed to represent the school that he supposedly represents when he stands on a sideline. Well, you're right. And disgusting is a good word for it. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. It's it's terrible leadership. It is terrible leadership because you see what happens, right? That tweet or Instagram post afterwards by the player, I mean, that is clear that he knows that he can put out on social media the fact that he feels like he's the MVP because he took down another player and kicked him in the face while he was laying on the ground after a game. In no way, to me, does that mean Mike Leach left that interview with Ian Fitzsimmons, went in the locker room, and said anything to his players regarding the the the, the dynamic that occurred right on the field? I mean, to me, it, it is it is neglectful. And then when you listen to, I mean, the gruesome way that that is described by that player who is kicking and punching another human being, I mean, that to me. It's nauseating. It's repugnant. It is, I mean, it makes my stomach curl to think that that is celebrated. That is celebrated by these 19, 20-year-olds in this locker room. It's gross. There's a moment, too, where programs always tell kids, remember who you represent. Every time you're out there, you represent the school. I think media training 101, and I know Mike Leach is, is oftentimes revered for the way he handles the media. People love his his attitude and the, the way he sort of approaches it and uh, his nature in general. With that being said, I don't think it's complicated to understand that when a massive brawl has happened that forced an, a player on the opposing team to be helped off with what they think could be a concussion, they're not sure right now, uh, to, to for a coach. And both coaches handle this pro- improperly. Let me, let me stress that. Yes. But for a coach to... In in that moment, not have the common sense to simply say, that isn't what this university stands for. That's not what this program stands for. That's not who we are or who we want to be. We lost control. We'll look at the film and we'll figure out how to be better. Like, I'm not even smart enough to be a coach. And I'm smart enough to know that that's the only message that doesn't sort of come around and bite you in the butt from a coach in that process. And again, both coaches were flipping about it. Both coaches handled it the wrong way. But we've got to have some level of accountability, not just for the young men that were involved in the fight, but for the coaches that didn't stop it, for the coaches coaches that have created a culture that allows it, and for the coaches that didn't handle the moment with the microphone better when they knew what had happened and they saw that gruesome thing happen. You did the call. You saw it, and it affected you. How did it not affect a coach the same way? I, I simply can't wrap my brain around it. All right, it's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zoom. Uh, speaking of the guys, you'll get this week's smart picks from the guys next. That after this word from Dr. Pepper. Well, actually, no. It's this word from O'Reilly. You know what? Eventually, I'll learn to read. Uh, you know, it'll happen. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Mine do that all the time. 
Like, I'm going to be honest, and then I just let the grating noise happen until eventually I just roll my eyes and say, I got to do something about it. Well, what I should do is check out O'Reilly. Don't compromise your visibility with streaks or smearing on your windows. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, just go to O'Reilly Auto Parts. The professional parts people will help you navigate their wide selection to find just the right wiper blades for your vehicles. And yes, in case you didn't know this, I learned it a few years ago from my father-in-law. Like, there's a little book that tells you which ones go on your car. That's how dumb I am with this. O'Reilly can help me through it which means it can help you through it. You can see better and drive safer with new wiper blades at O'Reilly Auto Parts. You can see everything you need to know about Smart Picks next from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio. Mark Hertzlick, Jason Fitz filling in for the guys. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on your smart speakers. Mark Hartzlick, Jason Fitz, in for the guys. And you didn't think we were going to let you go through New Year's Day and not actually hear from the guys, right? Like, that's impossible. So, it's a Friday, and that means that the guys are going to help you out. Uh, so, I'll have Zubin bring them in get you some smart picks. Hey, everybody. It's time for the smart picks brought to you by Redbox, with it being the final week of the NFL's regular season. Can you believe we got here? Our smart picks naturally, are our favorite football movies. But first, a quick reminder, new to Redbox today is Shadow in the Cloud, starring Chloe Grace Moretz and Nick Robinson, a little mix of horror, war, and action, a World War II officer, Maud Garrett, played by Chloe Grace Moretz, is assigned to ferry a top-secret package on a B-17 bomber. While she flies in the underbelly of the plane, she encounters an evil presence on board while battling an oncoming Japanese Ambush. You can check that out right now. Shadow in the Cloud on Redbox. All right, fellas. Key, you got to go first, right, man? This is your sport, your favorite football movies. Tell me what you got. We'll see if it's on Redbox. Um, you know, there's a, a couple of them that's out there. There's one that I don't like, but I don't want to I don't want to poo-poo that one. But any given Sunday, <laughs> any given Sunday is a good one. Um, I think it was fun. It was hilarious. Some things were true to a degree. Some things were not. Uh, you know, Al Pacino, Jamie Foxx, that, that just that whole LL Cool J, that whole cast was kind of funny. Key, nothing better than Steeman, Willie Beeman. 
Jamie Foxx played one heck of a role in that one. He was Cameron incredible Diaz. with the wave cap and everything. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Jerry Maguire, Show Me the Money. I love that one. Little Giants, always a classic. Uh, just, I'm a Giants fan, but also seeing the little kids out there and their football. And then uh, I would probably have to go with Varsity Blues, too. Man, you didn't pick Rudy? I would have lost my money. <laughs> Come on. No, I didn't pick Rudy. I didn't pick Rudy. That, that's your thing. Notre Dame football. That's your, that's your team, Key. Lastly, I'll tell you, draft day, really good, kind of sentimental, not exactly indicative of the way the draft works, but there is a really good message in the movie to check it out. And I would say, I'm sitting here with two of the toughest dudes you'll ever meet in Key and Jay, but I challenge any man, any red-blooded American male to watch Brian's song and not shed a tear. Incredible movie based on a true story. All of those movies the fellas selected along with my pick, Brian Song, are available on Redbox. A reminder, watch new movies and top entertainment plus try free live TV on Redbox with over 80 channels of news, TV shows, viral videos, and more. All right, so that's the guys getting you their smart picks. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio. I'm Jason Fitz hanging out with Mark Herzlick. Mark, like, I, I'm always curious. And, you know, like, the Golics are such movie fanatics. It's like, mm-hmm. I won't count them in this. I, a former athlete. Do you like sports movies? Are you in on sports? Like, I'll be real. Like, after 20 years in Nashville, when the TV show Nashville came out, no. No, I, there's Nashville. no way I watch it. I'm, I'm, I'm out on it, right? Like I've all of these, every episode of Nashville. Oh, my God. It. All of these movies about, like, the music business, I'm like, no. I'm totally out on that. So are you in on, like, uh, on sports movies in general? Well, you heard Keyshawn. Any Given Sunday, to me, is the best football movie there is because a lot of it's kind of real, right? It's a little bit exaggerated, but... I mean, it kind of shows the intensity of the game. Some of them I don't like. I mean, and again, don't want to name them because it'll ostracize me from a lot of people who do like them, uh, i.e. my wife uh, loves some (laughs) of these movies. Um, But I'm just like, look, it's not real football. Like, you're you're waiting for the clock to count down to zero, and you think you got to catch the ball in the end zone before the clock hits zero. Don't you know football? Don't you know that that play can still run after the clock hits zero? I mean... So, yes, Any Given Sunday is the most accurate, and I loved it. I, look, I, I love that. The, so we've been talking a lot about the college football playoff, which, again, you can hear on ESPN Radio. You can watch it on ESPN. Coverage begins on ESPN Radio, 1130 a.m. Eastern. It's going to be a big bowl game weekend in general. There are a lot of significant games. Before we get to one of the other ones, I think this does have some significance. I said earlier we would give our picks. It's obvious we're both picking Alabama, uh, but we'll stick there for a second. Uh, any, any sort of a prediction on score? like not Not specifics, but how close do you think it is? I think it's I think it's closer early, but I think it's going to be 42, 42 to twenty. I think they're going to win by a large margin at the end. Can I? I'll be. We'll have a confessional moment here. Like I'm a particularly cheap person, as everybody knows. Uh, but I decided that I've spent so much time saying that you know take Alabama and take the points. Uh, while I was in Tennessee, where sports gambling is uh, is now legal to bet on games. I, I did. I took Alabama and the points. I put my money where my mouth is, and now I'm particularly nervous. Like, I don't care about the outcome of college football games, but now that I have, like, a tiny bit of money on it, I'm puckered up all day. So I need Bama to win by more than 20. I still think that that's going to be the case. I think Bama's going to roll big. So uh, what what about the other one? We've got Clemson. Ohio State is the other game that everybody will have their eye on. Again, that's the All-State Sugar Bowl. Number two, Clemson. Number three, Ohio State. Uh, I took Clemson here, and I think Clemson's going to win pretty decidedly. Uh, but I will say, in my mind at least, this was a tougher pick because we haven't seen as much from Ohio State. So I just wonder if Ohio State's been saving anything in the chamber waiting for this opportunity to come out and sort of unleash the wildebeest that gets them to the college football national championship. 
Yeah, and as much as I want to see that, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Clemson's going to win this, probably even bigger than Alabama is going to win their game. I think it's it's going to be like you know, thirty-eight to seventeen. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a big game. Okay, so uh, we both agree that we're going to end up with a national championship again of Alabama and Clemson. But there is another significant game this weekend, and I know the bowl schedule is what it is. Like uh, everybody's apologizes for big teams when they lose, but I still think that the opportunity to see Cincinnati take on Georgia, a Georgia team that early in the season struggled, particularly at the quarterback position, they they had a hard time getting their offense going, and then they found a lot of momentum. So I, I continually look at Georgia and Cincinnati. Maybe the game doesn't mean as much to Georgia, but it means a lot to Cincinnati, to Luke Fickle, and to the statement that I think Cincinnati wants to make that the college football playoff should have included them. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's going to be big, not only just for this year and Cincinnati's team this year, but every single notch that one of these group of five teams can get on their belt against a a really good ranked top 10 power five opponent, especially in the SEC, it just adds to their argument that, look, we deserve to be at least have a representation in the playoffs, and if they can win this, you know the the, the selection committee they got a, they got a library of knowledge. They're going to remember this, and that's going to play a factor into next year and the year after that for these group of five teams. By the way, that is the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, which is taking place at noon Eastern on ESPN. You can check that out. Obviously, that's down in Atlanta. One other game this weekend that uh, I know we haven't mentioned, but I think has some significance is actually tomorrow, and it's Capital One Orange Bowl. We get Texas A and M taking on North Carolina, and it's an A and M team that feels like they got shafted. I think they're going to come out with a little bit of aggression because of that. But it's also a North Carolina team under Mac Brown that we had some high expectations for this year that's had some heavy like some really good recruiting classes North Carolina is trying to build something I think that North Carolina actually needs to show up in this to continue the momentum they're trying to build moving forward yeah and the only thing that is going to be really detrimental to North Carolina is the amount of opt-outs I mean they're all American linebacker chess rather than the defensive side is opt-out the brown wide receivers opted out both of their running backs that both were all American candidates (laughs) incredible guy both of them have opted out too so you're going to see a, a B team. I mean, you're going to see the second string, and I think Texas A&M is going to run away with it. Well, unfortunately, I think you're probably right, but uh, there's when it when we look at bowl games, sometimes what I'm looking at is motivation. Like, what's going to get guys fired up to play? I do think this year, particularly, both of those teams are motivated yes. uh, to come in and uh, and have some fun. Uh, so, it's, speaking of have some fun, you want to stick with ESPN Radio all day to have that fun and get everything you need for the college football playoff. Mark, it's been a pleasure getting to work and hang out with you, my friend. This has been a lot of fun. It has been awesome. Let's do it again. Yeah, let's uh, and remember, Unity 2021. That's the word of the year. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com.